And I'm sure everyone here would agree that we have the perfect church here at Harefield. We never get anything wrong. The, uh, the coffee is always perfect. The worship feels like being with the angels. The speaker is always speaking as if it was Jesus standing here. If you have any problems, we always deal with them perfectly. There's never any disagreement in this church. And of course, all of you lot are good looking, brainy and witty too. Am I right? Mm, Okay, maybe that's a slight exaggeration. We are not the perfect church here. Um, But I'd like us to start this morning by thinking for a minute about what would make a church perfect. What kind of things would you see going on in a church that is really going for it, that is hot? I've had to resort to good old-fashioned pen and um, pen and flip charts this morning, but we're going to say what makes a, a hot church, as opposed to we're also going to think about what kind of things would make a church that isn't quite so perfect. We're going to think about what makes a lukewarm church. Hope you can all read that. Um, now, I need some a couple of people to help me read some things out. And I might have a couple of volunteers from the uh, the younger people. As you're not going out this morning, you might as well make yourselves useful. Dario, are you okay to come out? Thomas, come out for a second. So I'm going to read out, or they're going to read out a few statements, and you guys have got to decide whether this is hot, a hot church, or a lukewarm church. Okay. Um, Thomas, you can read the first one out. Now, the way you choose is if it's a hot church, you have to go, all of you, ready practice? Phew. If it's a lukewarm church, let's go, Thomas, can you read that one out? Yep. Lives being changed. Say that again. Sorry? Say it again. Oh, lives being changed before the better. No, for the better. Hot. Go and stick that up on the hot. Next to hot. Dario, can you read that? Religious routines. Yeah, it's a bit lukewarm, isn't it? Next to lukewarm. Encouraging each other. Conflict. Conflict dealt with. Conflict dealt with. Yeah, that's a hot. Yeah, that's a hot. That's maybe a bit over that one, guys. You might not know that word, tithing. Tithing the bare minimum. Tithing the bare minimum, is that hot or lukewarm? Yeah, lukewarm. People's lives are not changing. Mm, lukewarm. They can overlap a bit, don't worry, guys. People looking out for each other. Definitely hot. 
no sign of the spirit at work. Conflict not dealt with. Mm, look warm, yeah, yeah. Border, boredom. People being bored. Bit lukewarm, I think, yeah. Vibrant kids and youth work. Hot. Definitely hot. Definitely. Prayer happening. People doing what they want the rest of the week. Mm. Few young people. Yeah, few. Meeting together often. Giving between members. Not giving. Yeah, hot, definitely. No baptism. No, no. No baptism. No. Brilliant worship. Guys. People aiming for comfortable life. Baptisms. What? Dreary worship. Sunday morning attendance only. Healing of body and soul. Gospel being spread. Thank you, Davio. Thank you, Thomas. You may sit down again. (laughs) Make these young people be useful, eh? So, this isn't an official list. It's just things that sprang to my mind, so please don't complain if I've missed something really important. Um, But this gives a pretty good picture of what we're aiming for in Harefield, doesn't it? Um, Now, I'm not going to ask you where you think we currently are on this, um, but I obviously hope that we're nearer hot than lukewarm, because lukewarm is not okay. It might sound like a happy medium, it might sound comfortable, but in the book of Revelation, 
the writer John, he relates a message from Jesus to a church in Laodicea, which is in Turkey. And he says this, if this is working. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and don't need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. So Jesus takes being lukewarm seriously. This church thought they were doing okay, but actually they were just plodding along, going nowhere. And Jesus says that if they don't change, they will soon not be a church. But he does go on to give that church a chance to repent and improve. And our aim is definitely to be the hot church, isn't it? We want to be impacting people around us, our town, our families, our neighbours. And we want them to be coming to know Jesus of Nazareth as their personal saviour. Because us guys, we know the benefits of the good news to us as individuals and as a community. But, you know, the church is made up of individuals. That's you and me. And for the church as a whole to be running hot, we also need to be personally firing on all cylinders, don't we? We need to be sure of what we believe and strong in our faith in Jesus. Now, I ask you this every time I talk this year. Who knows our theme for this year? Shout it out. Paula knows it. I'd, I'd, I'd hope Paula does as she does the publicity. Hill climbing for beginners. That's at least one person knows that. We're getting there. Yes, hill climbing for beginners is our theme for this year. Um, and we are in a mini-series called The Hills Are Alive. Look, it's, it's September. Um, we are starting to struggle for hill metaphors by now, to be honest. But, you know, we believe God has given us the idea for this series and it is about the very real challenges that face us as we try to climb the hill of getting closer to God. The things in life that can knock us back down, perhaps even back to the base of the hill. Last week, they spoke about addictions. And we've also got some equally challenging subjects coming up, so uh, come along next week. And today, we're talking about loss of faith, or of lukewarm faith. Now, how often do you hear churches talking about that? Not often, I would guess. I'd say it's a good sign of an alive church that, um, that they're brave enough to talk about issues like this openly and honestly. And we are. And we need to talk about it because we can really be knocked back if we allow our doubts to take a grip on us. We're not going to be going for God. We're not going to be helping the church. We're going to settle for life but not life in all its fullness, as God promised us. So a quick honesty check. I'm going to ask for your hands up. Who has ever thought, at least once in their life, is God actually real? Is this all made up? Is the church just a big con? Hands up, because I'm going to put my hand up. If you put your hands up, 
I thank you for your honesty. If you haven't, I admire your faith. Um, and you don't have to answer this, but how is your faith today? If I was to put your name on the wall, somewhere between hot and lukewarm, on this faithometer, if you like, where are you? Are you hot, lukewarm, or even cold? Are you buzzing from experiencing God recently, or perhaps from being healed? Are you getting along okay, but maybe you don't want to think too much about some tricky things, just in case it knocks you back down? Or did you have to drag yourself here this morning, thinking it might be the last time you ever came? Well, you're not alone. You are not the only ones to have thought of giving up on God. The Bible is very honest. It mentions the times that Jesus' followers actually gave up on him. Or people, certainly people that had heard him had heard him talk. And it's more than once that happened. If the Bible was made up, why would that have been put in there? And it even mentions that some of his closest disciples at one point doubted that he had risen. And that's even after they'd seen him. And if you want some more honesty in the Bible, have a read of Psalms. Because they're great. There's all human emotions in those. And I felt guided to one for today. Psalm 73. I'm sure you all know it off by heart. But if you don't, we're going to look through this together this morning. And we're going to follow the path of the writer's faith on our faithometer from hot and lukewarm. So, the first verse of the Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. I've got some arrows to map out this guy's journey. So, let's put him between hot and cold, between, or certainly hot and lukewarm. We're, we're about there, aren't we? He's pretty good. You know, in modern terms, he's believing in God. He's part of a church. He, he goes to a house group. He spends time with God in prayer. He reads the Bible a bit. He gives some of his money away. He helps occasionally making the coffee on a Sunday morning. He thinks he's going along nicely. But then. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possessions of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. 
Oh dear. What's happened here? I think he's uh, dipped on the faithometer. I think he's heading down. Now what's caused this? Well, for him, it was seeing good things still happening to bad people. And we can have similar thoughts, can't we? You know, did you, have, did you think that when you heard those, heard those verses? We look around the world and we see people who aren't believers. And many of them are doing very well, thank you very much. At least in worldly terms. You know, we see our friends getting bigger houses, nicer cars, lots of friends. We see people getting their own way, having nice lives, retiring to a nice comfortable house by the sea. We see them not having stresses and seemingly quite happy in life. And we think, is there any advantage in being a a Jesus follower? Because in this life, it just seems to bring hassle. Now in the New Testament, Paul acknowledged this. Because in the book he wrote to the Corinthian church, um, he asked them to imagine the situation if God wasn't able to raise people from the dead. And he said this. If I can click it forward. Would you mind, please, Levi? B. So Paul, uh, Paul says, if the dead aren't raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. If Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, sorry, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Told you the Bible was honest and open, didn't I? But Paul's true, isn't he? If we spend all all of our life doing what we think God wants, rather than what we fancy doing, but we've got no eternal life to look forward to, then we're the ones missing out, aren't we? You know, if at one extreme we we feel called to be missionaries in some far-off place in the world, then we are going to miss out on potentially having a, a nice career in this country, earning loads of money, having a comfortable life with good health care. You know, if there's no eternal life, then we're missing out on a lot. Other things, we might also look around us and we might see believers who are suffering with their health. And maybe that feels that uh, we, we suffer as much as non-believers do. And that makes us think a bit, doesn't it? That can knock our faith. Or perhaps we prayed for something that uh, God didn't provide. That's another co- common cause of losing faith. Perhaps we asked for a job or a spouse to come along or a child or even something spiritual. You felt God told you to start some project that then got taken away. You know, it can be baffling. Perhaps you came to hear about Jesus from a Christian leader who's now been found to be rather less than perfect. And I know that can be a huge blow to people's faith. 
hopefully in Harefield we don't put us leaders up on um, pedestals and we, we don't pretend to be perfect as leaders. Um, so we, are, we know we are all forgiven sinners who still get things wrong sometimes. Or has there been other, some, some other disappointment with God? Perhaps we've had unrealistic expectations of him. For instance, I remember the first time I ever took communion when I was a, a teenager in an Anglican church. I expected some huge spiritual experience. But I didn't feel anything particularly. And that kind of uh, knocked me for a bit. That took me a while to get my head around, actually. So what are some of the clues that someone is going through this in their life? From our own experience, or from people we've known, what behaviours change in people when they are heading from hot down to lukewarm? Would people like to, to shout out some things that they notice? What do you notice in people if they stop reading the Bible? Definitely. Don't come to church. Apathy, yes. Become bitter. Become bitter, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not attending weekly groups. Not attending weekly groups, yep. Anything else people notice? Depressed, Depressed possibly, yep. Complaining, okay, yep. Yep. I also think often people stay quiet, so you don't hear from people much. Or they actually turn slightly religious, so possibly they like the routines of a more religious church, if you like. Now, I don't want, don't want to say that if you go through this, you're wrong, because um, we all do to some extent. I just want us to see the warning signs. Because all this leads us, uh, sorry, all this leads the psalmist to the point in the next verse in Psalm 73. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. So now he has hit rock bottom. He's gone below lukewarm. He is heading down towards cold. He is troubled big time. And he really does wonder if there's anything in this at all. His mind's in turmoil and his faith's hanging by a thread. So in modern terms, perhaps he stopped attending church completely. He doesn't spend any time with God. He can't see any advantage to being a Christian. Sometimes our thoughts are also affected by outside things. Perhaps we're having a bad day. Perhaps the weather is grey and horrible. Maybe we're overtired. No, our, our feelings sometimes overrule the facts, don't they? But either way, he or we know that this is the moment. This is decision time. Oh, Josh. Now, at this point, the psalmist and you or I, we could go one of two ways. We could give up on God and say we don't believe anymore. We want nothing more to do with the church. We could go on and say that we are atheist or agnostic and we're going to go along with the world's views. 
Because the world says that this life is all there is, and just to get through it and try to make the best of it. And that's what Satan would prefer to have as well. All right, Joseph. Sorry, Joseph. Josh. So, we could just give up at this point. Or, we can do what the psalmist did. Because that sentence carries on. It troubled him deeply until he entered the sanctuary of God. So, this is the key verse. If you're doubting, I suggest you need to spend time with God. For the psalmist, that was the temple where God lived. For us, with the Spirit living in us, we can come to God any time we want. We can enter that sanctuary of God any time we like. And if we're in this place of uh, being right down past lukewarm, um, then we probably need to spend some serious time with God, working through our thoughts and doubts and issues with him because I believe he will be gracious and will help us. I remember when I was younger and I was doubting, I remember praying with God and working out what what I believed and what I doubted. And, And for me, in my head, it came down to the basic thing of, did Jesus rise from the dead? That felt like the crux. Because if that wasn't real, then nothing else counted. Nothing else mattered, really. So I looked at the evidence in the Bible, I also read an account of Jesus by a historian who wasn't a Christian called Josephus. I thought about the impact Jesus had on the disciples who went on to become martyrs, most of them, if not all of them. And I looked at the effect Jesus has had on the world since. And I decided that, yes, I did, I did believe that. I can never 100% prove it. It will always take a little jump of faith. But I took that little leap. And having done that, having got that one solid brick on my wall of faith, if you like, I could build other things on it. Because if that was true, then probably this is true, and probably this is as well, and gradually I built it up again. You know, to have faith, we need a combination of heart and mind, don't we? We need to believe the facts, but we also have to have the experience of God to draw on. And it might not have been the same day, but I also remember one time wrestling in prayer, feeling I was talking to thin air, but after a while I clearly felt God say, I love you to me. So I had, so God had been gracious to, to me and shown himself to me. And there's been other times in life when God has answered my prayers clearly and often not in ways I, I expected. So having these times of doubt, of working through things, uh, it's not wrong. We don't want people who just accept what they are told, who never question anything, do we? Because that's blind religion. We want people who have challenged their beliefs and have come out the other side stronger, don't we? Because the next stage on this psalmist's journey is this. So he entered the sanctuary of God then I understood their final destiny. Surely, so this is the um, 
bad people, I suppose, or, or non-believers. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You do cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors? They are like a dream when one, one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was sentenced and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. So he is now seeing things as they really are. He's back on his way up. You know, he's starting to see that non-believers don't always benefit. He's starting to see the glass half full. Another great book to read in the Bible is Ecclesiastes. Yeah, I know you think I'm mad, but I love Ecclesiastes. I won't quote it all now, but it's another really open and honest account of a man who's struggling to see what the point of life is, what the advantage of following God is. He sees the bad people benefit, he sees the good people suffer, and he tries all sorts of other ways of living, and he sees nothing better in this world. Everything is meaningless, he says. Yet, at the end of the book, he concludes that the duty of all mankind is to fear God and to keep his commandments. Can I suggest that there is certainly nothing better in this world? I may not have done half the things that the Ecclesiastes writer tried. I don't even have a harem. But if you look around at society at the moment, there's all sorts of wild and wacky theories out there, isn't there? People are very confused. And in my nearly 50 years on this planet, I humbly suggest that if you were to discount Jesus, there's certainly nothing else worth believing in. So, the psalmist continues. Um, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. He's working his way up, isn't he? He's back up to here, I think. Um, So he's now got his desire back. His faith is strong. And isn't that a great feeling? If we've been doubting, when we come back to God and we're able to enjoy worshipping him again, when we are convinced of his presence and his promises, it's great. And this psalmist now actively wants to spend time with God, holding his hand. He realises that there is nothing else apart from God worth having. And he wants to be near God. And that's not all. Because the last verse is this. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So as well as getting his mojo back, he's now going to tell others about God's good deeds. He's now going to be a witness for God and pull other people in. His experiences has given him confidence which has 
kind of become a virtuous circle, as they say in business. So whereabouts on this faithometer is he now? I'd say he was even, he's even hotter than he was at the start. And that's what we want, isn't it? You know, we want everyone in Harefield being on fire for God. And if that means that we as individuals have to do a bit of soul searching, a bit of God searching, then that's no bad thing. And we need to be open and honest with each other if we're going through that too. Because we can help each other. You know, we have so many wise, experienced Christians in this place. I didn't say old. And there's probably nothing you're going through that someone in this room hasn't already experienced. So, as we come to an end now, if you find yourself on that first downward slope, if you start to see the clues in yourself, then come to speak to someone here. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like you're the only Christian ever to think this way. Don't even necessarily see it as a bad thing. Because as we've seen, it can get you back to a better place than we were in to start with. And let's look out for each other too. If you don't see someone here for a few weeks, get in touch with them. Send them a text, give them a ring and see how they are. Because it's easy for people who aren't here to be out of sight, out of mind. And I admit, I'm pretty useless at spotting people who aren't here. So please, let's work on this together. Because if we are all firing on all cylinders, God can really use us as individuals and we're going to get that bit nearer to being the perfect church here in Harefield. Shall we pray? Father, we have such short memories. One day we experience your presence and the next day we've forgotten all that. Thank you that you know our weaknesses. Thank you that you forgive our lack of faith. Please fill us all as individuals with your Holy Spirit so that this church is running hot, never lukewarm, and because we want to see the good news spread throughout Harlow. Amen.